to Some Women, the podcast about great women through history by all right women in Glasgow. I'm Kathleen. I'm Julia. Hi, Julia. Oh, that was really bright and breezy. <laughs> I'm so That's happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And we decided to start a podcast about women because we love them. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about women, Julia? Generally, pretty positive about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, full disclosure, we're just two people that have full-time jobs and we're very bored. So Yeah, we just wanted to have a hobby really mm-hmm. so we're gonna see how it goes yep we've got should we describe our beverages the setup we have just now is we're sitting on the floor mm-hmm. we have mugs of prosecco yeah because we're scared of knocking glasses over all over this brand new equipment this brand new equipment we've got that we know how to use so no one leave any comments yeah. or messages we know how to use it we're both sound engineers on the side yeah exactly so don't even, don't worry about it yeah mm-hmm. don't try it mate <laughs> Do not even fucking do it. Julia went to a self-defence class. Yeah, I went to one self-defence class and now I'm hard as nails. I was hard as nails before, mm-hmm. but only in like, in theory. I had the theory. Right, okay. But now I've been to one class and I can You've done protect your... myself from an attacker. Which, you know. Okay. That's something to... What actually happened? So this woman, she's like a kung fu instructor. Okay, but then that's she, not funny. But then she does... <laughs> Sorry, go on. Does it have to all be jokes? No, it doesn't have to all be... <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> I know it's not a joke. It just... It caught me off guard. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, because I was being serious. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's fine. Anyway, she does a women's uh, self-defense class on a Wednesday evening, and I went with some people from work, and it was really good. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, just really simple moves that I think anyone could learn to do. I enjoyed it. It was great. And now I can absolutely kick the fuck out anyone, so... Anyone, so don't leave any comments. So try it and not spawn. So what are we doing here? So basically, I think the format is going to be each time we're going to pick a woman each mm-hmm. and present them basically and have a bit of a chat about them mm-hmm. and just basically celebrate them. Yeah, and then we'll do like a March Madness Battle Royale yeah. for who the best woman ever was. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good actually. That's a joke, but... We'll see mm. if that's what you like. Yeah. If that's speaking know. to you, let us know. <laughs> and it, this is a coincidence, but we are actually recording this first episode on International Women's yeah, Day. Yeah, happy International so Women's Day, everyone. Should I tell them when we should have recorded it and why we didn't do it then? <laughs> <laughs> um, we should have recorded it on the 6th, mm-hmm. on Friday. The mixer didn't arrive. Um, and it was the correct mixer. I did not have to go out and buy extra cables. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry about it. As I said, sound engineers, I actually had all the cables in my house yeah. already. And the sound quality is mm. perfection. Top notch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the format genuinely is that each week or each episode, mm-hmm. we're both going to select a woman from the, the annals of history mm-hmm. um, who we find inspirational or just influential in some way. Let's acknowledge that there are a lot of women who did a lot of influential things that we need to talk about. I don't know what I'm going with that. Yeah, I think also it's okay for us to talk about people who might not be famous for all the right reasons, yeah. but they'll, they, you know, it's, it's important to still talk about them and what they contribute to the canon of history. Oh. Um, yeah, good word. Good word. Um, yeah, we're just going to see how we get on with it. Um, these are pretty much the conversations that we have just yeah. when we're at the, gas, at the pub. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Why not record it? And Why not record it? Mm-hmm. We're both Glaswegians. Julia's lived in Glasgow for a very long time. I was born here and grew up here. Mm-hmm. So we want to kind of make this a Scottish thing. We both love living in Scotland, mm-hmm. but this is going to be international about mm-hmm. women from all throughout history and all throughout the world, mm-hmm. um, but with a little bit, just a little bit of like Northern and Scottish culture and yeah. influence. So shall we crack on? Yes, let's do that. Um, shall I go first? Uh, yeah, by all means. Sorry to <laughs> take the lead there. But, go for it. Um, yeah, I'm going to start us off with a woman who is, I think, kind of overlooked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I find it to be extremely interesting and just, she's got a lot going on, but I think she's kind of under the radar quite a lot. So anyway, I'm going to talk about Julie Hedman-Halsh. Ooh. Great, great last name. Brilliant name, first of all. And I think, obviously, she's probably most famous for playing Hayley Cropper on Coronation Street. Mm-hmm. Um, she played Hayley from 1998 until 2014, um, at which point the character was killed off um, in the way that soaps are wont to do. But Julie, she was born in Accrington in Manchester on the 25th of February 1970. She grew up and remains to this day a staunch supporter of the Labour Party and that's kind of a through line in all of her exploits really. Um, In terms of acting she went to Lambda um, in the late 80s, early 90s um, and while she was there she set up Arts Arts Threshold Theatre with some other people that were at Lambda with her and she did kind of quite the usual route for a television actress like she did The Bill Mm -hmm. and then she did something for Victoria Wood called um, Pat and Margaret and then she We'll get to we'll her get to on another day. day. And then she, as I say, was cast in Coronation Street as Haley in 1998. Um, and this was the first transgender character in a mainstream British soap. But Julie is cisgender, so mm-hmm. there was quite a bit of controversy um, kind of among the LGBTQ plus community at the time when she was cast. A lot of people kind of rightfully saying we would rather this was a trans actress. Or, um, you know, we don't want this character to be a parody mm-hmm. or you know a misrepresentation yeah, but Julie was really she was up for the debate and she was up for kind of tackling that head-on and reaching out to people and getting trans women and other LGBT LGBT people to contribute to the narrative and yeah. um, I remember watching Coronation Street with my mum mm-hmm. and that, that was the first although obviously from looking back at it now it is absolutely a discussion that she is cisgender herself. Mm-hmm. That was the first transgender person I was aware of with Haley mm-hmm. Cropper. I think, um, I, I, weirdly, I'm not actually from a Coronation Street watching family, um, which I know. Um, but I actually didn't realise that Haley was trans until I think probably when when she was getting killed off, mm. even for like literally 2014. Yeah. And... I don't know why that is, why that wasn't on my radar. Um, I do think probably personally I didn't have that much knowledge of kind of what a trans person was <laughs> at that time in my life. Um, but, you know, anyway, she's playing this character um, and as well as kind of criticism from the LGBT community, there was a lot of negative feedback just from the general public saying we don't want this on our primetime television kind of thing and a lot of ignorance but obviously during her kind of tenure as this character, we have the Gender Recognition Act mm-hmm. in 2004, and that was the introduction of 
people's right to change their birth certificates um, and thus then get married. And this was a through line in Haley's story because she got married to, to Roy Crumper mm-hmm. on Coronation Street, which was a cisgendered man, a straight mm-hmm. man, getting married to a trans woman and discuss, discussing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the kind of key people in this was another actress called Annie Wallace, who at the time, and I think still is, um, an activist for Press for Change. Um, and she essentially, from what I can gather, she sort of came on as a consultant on Coronation Street and would help them to kind of tackle issues because they covered a lot in Haley's lifetime because she had a son from before she transitioned and he didn't necessarily accept her and he had his own children. And so Haley, you know, trying to get involved in their life as well. And yeah. um, so really kind of, you know, complex issues for trans people to be dealing with and mm-hmm. um, being covered on like I say a prime time yeah. you know tea time and so, everyone watched it and I remember like, uh-huh. everyone even kind of I don't know things that are difficult to discuss within your family I don't mm-hmm. know how, how I would have gone downstairs and discussed like trans issues with my parents yeah but they were watching Coronation Street every night mm-hmm. so yeah it's a difficult yeah. one exactly as you say like um, she wasn't a trans actress no but the fact that those stories were getting such mm-hmm. And Julie yeah. was really, really, you know, she accepted the fact that she was like, look, I know that I'm not the authority on this. And mm-hmm. she was really open to the contributions from people like Annie and other trans activists. And she just took it all on board and she really kind of became a champion for Haley. And I, found, I, I just find that really wonderful mm-hmm. that she was able to take it on the chin and, you know, and grow from it and not say, well, I know what to do straight off the bat because she didn't know what no. to do. Yeah. Um, and actually Annie is a very interesting person in her own right and um, she was then the first trans woman to portray a, a regular character on the soap she um played sally st Clair on hollyoaks and mm-hmm. um, i don't know that she's still in it i think that she might have left now um Good but again she um, i mean yeah i used to watch Hollyoaks religiously when <laughs> i was younger and it's wild i'll sometimes dip in and out because just to see what's those storylines and a guy that i went to school with was in it for a time oh but that's irrelevant shit out <laughs> So, yeah, so she's playing Hayley, um, and then the character's arc comes to an end, and she died of pancreatic cancer, mm. um, but the, it was kind of an assisted suicide storyline, so they're really flinging a lot of things at yeah. Julie here and just, you know... A lot of discussion points. Yeah, a lot of things to yeah. be dealing with, and she absolutely... If you watch clips of her, she's just so... She's so easy to watch, and... Um, and you just, I just believe everything that she's saying. And obviously, like, soap operas, it, you know, they're supposed to be over the top. They're supposed to be a bit ridiculous. But everything that she says, it's just so sincere. And I yeah. just love that about her. So anyway, she goes on to do Broadchurch um, and Happy Valley, like, two of probably the best, like, British shows ever. Um, and she was on Doctor Who as well. Um, and she had a really, well, has a really successful career on the stage. And she's been an, a mentor for National Youth Theatre. Um, and she's got quite a kind of consistent relationship with the Royal Exchange in Manchester. Like, for instance, in, in 2019, she did Mother Courage um, at the Royal Exchange. And it was, like, unreal. Well, I fucking, I found out that she was in that, like, two weeks before it closed. Oh. And I was like when can I get into Manchester? Because mm-hmm. um, I saw all the like production photographs and things like that and it just looked like, unreal. Mm-hmm. 
She's such, she's such a good actress. And alongside all of this work that she's doing as an actor, she's also like a really serious charity worker. She, mm-hmm. she, it, I have a list of some of the charities that she's either a patron of or is involved in. Mm-hmm. And they include Arts Emergency, Transmedia Watch, uh, WAST, W-A-S-T, Manchester People's Assembly, Rubens Retreat, Alex Williams Belief, um, Achieve Trust, like so many amazing causes that she's just getting involved in and seeing what she can do and using her platform for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, really kind of active in support of the Labour Party. Um, obviously, it's a bit sad to mention it now, but she really endorsed Jeremy Corbyn um, and, you know, sort of lifelong Labour lass, basically. So... Um, another kind of branch of her work is something called Take Back Theatre Collective, which she started in 2015 with two other people called Grant Archer and Rebecca Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, and the purpose of Take Back is basically to present kind of urgent artistic responses to topical issues. So it'll quite often be short plays or small pieces of theatre quite often with the actors still with like scripts in their hands and that kind of thing but it's to really address social issues so some of the things that they have addressed since they started in 2015 are austerity girlhood the nhs homelessness immigration our bodies and how we interact with them and the rights that we have so this is a really amazing company. I really, yeah, really like them. And them. yeah, they, they have a really good um, Twitter account and a really good website that's really kept well up to date. Where are um, they based? Manchester. Great Manchester. Yeah. Um, Less shout Yes. Um, <laughs> so she's basically, what I'm trying to get at is, obviously she's an actor, mm-hmm. but she's so sensitive to social issues and she's so aware of the fact that she has a platform and she chooses to use it. I think a lot of people have a platform and worry about the impact that it might have on their career if they comment on social issues or, you know, they think that it's not their place as a famous person to be active in society. And I think that she really just puts herself out there and in a really humble way, she's, if you look at her Twitter, it's never like, I know everything about this. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm interested in this. This is what I think. Yeah. Let's have a chat about it. And I just really love that about her. But she's also won a lot of awards um, and been nominated for a lot of awards for her acting. So I'm just going to list some of them off. Well deserved. Um, so in terms of national television awards, she had two nominations and one win. That was for Coronation Street. Uh, British Soap Awards, four nominations and four wins. Also for Coronation Brilliant. Street. Um, Royal Television Society, two nominations, two wins. Um, that was for Coronation Street and Black Roses that she did. Trick Awards, one nomination for Coronation Street. Uh, Manchester Theatre Awards, one nomination and one win. And that was for a play called Wit. Um, and British Academy Television Awards, one nomination for Broadchurch for uh, Featured Actress, I believe. So that's just some of the things that she's achieved in her career. And I kind of get the impression that, well, it's quite common among soap actors that they sometimes struggle to have a career after they've yeah. been in a soap for a long time. Um, people just won't see them as... Yeah, like, look at her, like, oh, that's Hayley Cropper, like, you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and she's really taken her career in a really interesting direction, and I'm really interested to see what she does next. 
I know that they had a birthday party for her at the Royal Exchange the other day. Ooh. It's just like, that's <clears throat> what a babe she is. I love yeah. it. But yeah, I think, I think that's all I want to say about Julie for now. I kind of got information from our good friend Wikipedia. God bless. And um, also the Gender Recognition Act, uh, Press for Changes website and Take Back Theatre Collective's website um, and just Julie's own personal Twitter um, Julie herself. Julie herself. Yeah, I think that could be it. Brilliant. She's great. She's fucking great. What, by the way, what an amazing woman. Oh, we just need to bask for just a second. Yeah. Just she has such like a. I I didn't know it, more than half of the stuff you just told me about her, but she is such like a a genuine and approachable person, and mm-hmm. I think that exactly as you say, that's so important for people who have a level of celebrity, mm-hmm. because you hear it all the time people are like. You know what do you, you what do you have to say about politics? You're an actor, or we don't want to hear what you have to say. Whereas these are the people that are most influential, yeah, in our society. So mm-hmm. if you got it, no, it's loved it. And she's not saying, and she's not saying. I think I'll probably repeat myself here, but she's not saying you have to have this opinion. Mm-mm. It's just this is my opinion. These are the reasons why I have this opinion. Like these things are important. Let's from that, these think about important. it. Yeah, I would really suggest having a look at Take Back Theatre's website. It's First of all, it's a very nicely laid out website, but just the <laughs> work you're saying, if that's your thing, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but it, it, there's so many resources on there as like a kind of, what's the word, like a springboard to mm-hmm. look at other theatre people who are discussing topical issues. But yeah, I think that could be all I have to say about that. About Dear Julie, mm-hmm. Hesmond Halsh. What a surname. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. So good. I, I sincerely didn't know. It's a hard one. Yeah, it's tough. It's also a name that's not really seen outside of the north of England, so. Oh, is it northern? Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was, like, some kind of Germanic. Well, it probably is, if you go back far enough. But all people that I know who have that, that surname are northern. That's fun. There you have it. There you have it. That's Julie. Deal with it. Don't <laughs> Deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Are you ready for another one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Fadel Mundo, the mother of pediatrics. So I actually, I kept seeing her referred to as the the Filipino mother of pediatrics. Okay. And I think that's weird. Um, She was from the Philippines. That's not a weird thing. But I don't know if there was another woman who really did pediatrics before her. But if it's just that she's from the Philippines, then I don't think that disqualifies her from being the general mother. Of right. pediatrics, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if there was another woman who like really knocked pediatrics at the park before her, kudos to her. And please point us in her direction. Point us in her direction, because what a star. But for the purposes of today's chat, Fidel Menzo, to me, is the mother of pediatrics. Great. Ready to go? Yeah. Let's get started. This one's a little bit heavier. That's all right. But that's okay. I should also preface by saying I have zero knowledge about this person. Oh. So I'm... Um, Looking forward to this, just for my own personal education. Oh, well, let's go. Well, let's get, let's get into it. Okay, so Fe Primitiva del Mundo y Villanueva, oof, we're off already, was born on the 27th of November 1911, making her a Sagittarius. Oh, yeah. Just like Julia. Okay, she was born in Manila and she was one of eight children, but three of her siblings died as babies. Mm-hmm. Already rough. Yeah. Then her big sister, Elisa, contracted appendicitis at age 11 and also died. Oh, God, Kate. I know. Listen, stick with me. Oh, it gets worse. (laughs) Well, sadder. In 2007, 
So much later in her life, uh, Dr. Del Mundo explained that she had found Elisa's diary after her death. And she said she kept a little notebook where she wrote that she wanted to take up medicine. When she died, I decided to take her place. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> so we're already, like, this is already someone who, from that young age, has that, like, mentality to her. Mm-hmm. Has just, you know, the sort of person who reaches out to other people. Mm-hmm. I love her. Anyway, so in 1926, just want to remind you that she was born in 1911, so she is age 15. Okay. She enrolled to the University of Philippines College of Medicine and graduated in 1933 as class valedictorian, then passed the medical board exam the same year, choosing to specialise in paediatrics. At this point, the president of the Philippines offered to pay for her postgrad in any field of her choice at any school in the United States. She chose Harvard Medical School, but here is the catch. They did not admit female students. Didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Surprise, they did not admit female students until 1944. This is 1936. However, however, they did not recognise the name Faye as a woman's name and accidentally (laughs) accepted her. (gasps) So she fucking turns up day one. Like, where's my dorm? (laughs) Okay, I love this. How good is that? Um, Yeah, so they thought she was a boy just because she had... uh, I guess it's a Spanish language name mm. um, that they weren't familiar with, but they thought she was a man, so they let her join, which is fucking sick. Wait, so Harvard, Harvard Medical School. Get together. Well, this is what I was thinking. I'm glad they didn't because obviously, because now she's there. But like, so the, yeah, the thing that confused me is obviously, although she's from the Philippines, Fidel Mundo is a Spanish language name. Yeah, and I just don't think that. I mean, I feel like people who work at Harvard would have come across Spanish That's what I mean. a lot more easily than maybe some other like Asian languages. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it was an unusual name for them at the time. Maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that no. men who worked in academia in the 1830s, 1930s, skipped a whole century, <laughs> uh, weren't familiar with Spanish. Maybe we just need to accept that. All right. Move on. Go for it, Julia. Mm-hmm. Right. So this would make her... Harvard Medical School's first female medical student and first Asian student, but unfortunately there is some contention. Mm. There doesn't seem to be any solid record that she actually graduated from Harvard Medical School. So she might have been an assistant physician and research fellow, but she did not actually graduate. That's not to take away from any of the work she did. She worked at several hospitals in Boston, Chicago and Maryland, but I guess that would mean that someone else was the first woman to graduate and someone else was the first Asian student, maybe the same person. Mm. And, you know, shout out to them. I don't want to take away from their achievements. In the meantime, she was enrolling in the Boston University School of Medicine. Bosom. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's not what it said, but I've realised. Bosom. She got a master's degree in bacteriology, so I don't think she was that bothered. Mm. It's going to take a turn. Oh, no. Oh, no. A lot of her colleagues in the US wanted her to stay there and keep working, but she felt that she had a lot more to offer back home in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And who boy did she? She went home and volunteered for the International Red Cross, and then like half an hour later, the Japanese army invaded Manila. Oh God. uh, As part of the Second World War, Mm -hmm. obviously. So they come in, the American army that was stationed there as part of the Pacific campaign, hit the fucking bricks and left all the civilians there. Cool. Brilliant. Uh, I'm sure there was some military tactic behind that that I don't know about or understand, but, you know, fuck that. So, um, a lot of the things are happening in Manila at this point, but most crucially, the campus of the University of Santo Tomas 
had been turned into an internment camp for foreign nationals who were made to register and then rounded up. Mm. So there were loads of these camps, loads, there were a number of these camps in the Philippines, and this one housed more than 3,000 internees, mostly American and British, in quotation marks, because they were registered British, but they could be from Commonwealth countries like Canada and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of left to it, which is maybe unusual. (laughs) Um, But the internees were... A lot of them were academics. That's why they lived, you know, in Asia. They were working at universities and things like that. They set up committees. They set up a police force for their little kind of town that they'd made. And mm. um, they set up a medical centre because there were a lot of medical personnel. Um, and Filipino people and people of other nationalities would come to the fence and push through letters, clothes, food, and things like that. Mm. So at first, well, like a huge human rights abuse and people who attempted to escape were shot and things like that. Living in the camp was actually okay, but there was a war going on and prices for soap, toilet paper, medicines and things like that were rising. There was also a typhoon that flooded the camp and destroyed all the supplies. I know I'm really going on about this camp, but I had never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. Um, And I think it's really interesting. But back to Faye, she had volunteered with the Red Cross who delivered food and relief packages to the internees. Sanitation was getting worse and worse. People were suffering from malnutrition and there were 400 kids in the camp. Mm. Fidel Mundo set up a hospice to care for them I only saw it referred to as a hospice so I mm. hope some of the kids were nursed back to health but I, I actually don't know Yeah. Um, she was referred to by the internees as the angel of Santo Tomas for her kindness uh, to the children in the camp mm. so in 1943 the Japanese army shut down the hospice and Mayor Leon Ginso of Manila told well told her, asked her to be the director of a children's hospital, mm-hmm. which, as a quick aside, shout out to the government of the Philippines. Yeah. So be like, in 1936, being like, hey, you're the best medical student we have, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And then again in 1943 saying, hey, we're at war, it's not good, you're the best person for this job, here's loads of money to hit up a hospital. Yeah. It feels like the, you know, at a time where maybe women would be overlooked for that mm-hmm. kind of position were very much aware of how brilliant she was and invested in her. So that's, you know, something that I wish was more common in history. But she did that very thing, although it soon became a full-time general hospital to help with war casualties. And she remained director until 1948, which to me is another, a whole other fucking level of like, the skills you need to be the director of a hospital are not medical skills. Yes. You need to be extremely well organized you need to be a good leader you need to understand like budgeting <laughs> and there's so many other skills that I, I don't even know yeah exist and she did that for years the shit admin of it all that the admin of running an entire hospital which switched purposes while she was the director yeah i can't even get into it <clears throat> and i won't no i'm gonna <laughs> and that's it no so she was, she was an exceptionally intelligent and talented and hard-working, hard-working woman. Yes, and she was directed there until 1948. She then worked at Far Eastern University and the University of Santo Tomas, which thankfully was a university again. Uh, and she also ran a paediatric clinic. But she found that working in government hospitals was very restrictive because of all the bureaucracy. And she wanted to open her own hospital. To do so, she needed money and sold almost all of her personal belongings took out a loan for construction, which I saw referred to as a sizable loan. I don't know how much it would cost to build a hospital in the Philippines in the 50s, but I guess, like, sizable is yeah. a sizable loan. Yeah. Um, is that a personal loan? 
I don't know. She took it out herself. I don't know. It says she took it alone. Um, God. From, from my sources here. Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing she, she must have been like a reputable... Oh, yeah, of course. It, it sounds, from what you're saying, this is this is coming across as very much like a one-man band. Yeah. Like she's doing everything. Mm. Obviously, I'm guessing that she'll have a team behind yeah. her, but it's, it's coming across as... Well, I, don't, I was about to say, like, the government gave her a lot of support, but the whole reason for her starting up this private hospital almost um, is because she was so frustrated mm. with, um, I guess, how slowly things are moving and her research, she couldn't continue because of the bureaucracy yeah. of government hospitals. So I guess this was her and her team. Well, it's kind of, I mean, I can imagine, I can only imagine the kind of difficulty doing this kind of thing at the time. But if you think about now... It, well, in the UK, obviously we have the NHS, big up the NHS, but NHS. a lot of services are being kind of pushed out by the government, by local councils to like the sector organisations yeah. and particularly like mental health things, therapy, uh, physical therapy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's really being delegated out to the community and, you know, the community is going to have to you know, do it all themselves yeah, and it's, a, it's very similar sounding to me, mm-hmm. like those those kind of circumstances kind of having to just pull yourself up exactly. and do it and realizing that someone has to do this because it's not being done yeah so i don't know if she did that on it herself but it sounds yeah exactly as you're saying as if this is something that she was growing increasingly frustrated mm-hmm. by how, li- how little she was able to achieve mm. so in, ni- in 1957 the 100-bed Children's Medical Centre was opened and was the first paediatric hospital in the Philippines. Mm. It was expanded in the 1960s and still operates today. Lush. Lush. Right. Through all of this, she was working on medical care and infectious diseases across communities in the Philippines. She researched dengue, which was common but not well understood in the effects it had on young children. There weren't laboratories, laboratories that could process her blood samples, so she just sent them to other countries. She was like, you know who I am. Mm. You've probably heard of me. Mm-hmm. Do my blood work. Because it was wartime or post-war. Yeah. And they just did not have the resources. She was like, this is more important. Yeah. <laughs> this is my favourite. She designed an incubator that could be made from items that were easy to source for families who lived in rural communities, who can access a hospital, maybe didn't have electricity. And it's basically a big bamboo basket and a little bamboo basket. Um, with a cover over the top and then you put hot water between the baskets or yeah. hot water bottles not like hot water yeah. like a like a bain-marie but instead of a cheesecake it's a baby you know <laughs> you know you put water in between yeah yeah and keep the baby warm that's and she invented that and kind of no she like patented it or anything but just you know she's got enough to do so she thought she you know thought, what? yeah um but that was as a result of working with like rural communities in the philippines and seeing what they needed. She, she came up with this idea to save all these babies because they couldn't get to hospital. Um, she wrote over a hundred articles and reports on infectious diseases impacting families in the Philippines and she wrote the textbook of paediatrics which is still used today. Oh my god. I know. Amazing. I'm not even fucking dumb. She mobilised teens in rural areas to support mothers and give them advice on breastfeeding and how to care for their baby if they got sick. Mm. She championed initiatives to integrate physicians and medical personnel into communities to teach the public about nutrition and immunisation. She was very religious herself, but she advocated for family planning and the health interests of babies and mothers. Big ups to Faye, and was outspoken about midwives being integrated into the medical community because these were usually women from rural areas who had little to no access to medical schooling, even though they were doing most of the -the on-the-ground work to help women and children. Mm -hmm. So she's just like extremely progressive Mm -hmm. and pointing out 
I think this is kind of the reason that I'm so drawn to her. Her work just, it's such an excellent marriage between things, fields that are traditionally masculine. Yeah. She's an incredible scientist and doctor. Mm. Married with like, she's such a caring and thoughtful maternal person. And it's these two, how those feminine aspects or things that are generally traditionally considered feminine, her putting those together to make this really incredible these really incredible advances Mm -hmm. and just recognizing that like a lot of the people who do this work are women Mm -hmm. and they don't have access to medical training and medical education because they're not allowed because they're not allowed and that's a huge issue and that's that's why people who don't live in big cities and can't access hospitals are dying Mm -hmm. so you need to fix that we need to fix that in 1966 she was given the elizabeth blackwell award for outstanding service to mankind Hang on a fucking minute. Yeah. Imagine you want, fuck the Oscars, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Outstanding service to mankind. That's pretty, it's pretty up there. Pretty ballsy. Mm. And in 1980, she was the first woman to be declared a national scientist of the Philippines. God bless. Oh, and she won loads of other awards that I could sit and list. Go and look them up. Mm. Sorry, I know. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> fucking Google it. Do it yourself. No, but she won so many other awards. Yeah. Um, and she worked for the rest of her life in her hospital and died at the age of 99. She was still doing rounds and checking in on patients sh- shortly before she passed away. Oh. And I have a really nice quote from her mm-hmm. that really kind of made me tear up. She said, I'm glad that I have been very much involved in the care of children and that I have been relevant to them. They are the most outstanding feature in my life. <laughs> yeah no so the fact that she like I just listed all her accolades and all these amazing things she's done mm-hmm. and she at the end of it was like I'm happiest that I could help children you know Faye Faye how dare Faye Del Mundo there she is that was amazing what an incredible woman I'm so this is, this is going to be a common theme yeah, I feel. yeah, yeah. I'm so raging about how little I know about the world. Yeah, I mean, it's like, obviously that's like a huge part of like the Second World War. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though when I was at school, I was getting both world wars mm-hmm. shoved down my throat, but from a totally British perspective. Yeah. I just didn't know about no. what we was were happening learning. in different pockets of the world. And she was doing all this work mm-hmm. and it's taken me until now and even if you were, know about it, it's ridiculous. Even if you were learning about like the Pacific campaign or yeah. things that were happening in Asia and the Philippines and Japan, mm. would you have heard about her? Probably not. No, <laughs> definitely <laughs> because not. Because she was like a Red Cross volunteer. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. yeah, and it's just her, the fact that she was achieving so highly from such a young age yeah. shows that she's so intelligent mm-hmm. and talented. But the fact that she was still achieving to that level up to just before she died almost 100 years later like yeah. the hard work and the dedication of that woman yeah yeah oh that was amazing I love that gorgeous let's hear it for Faye give it up for <laughs> Faye truly okay so there that was our first one yeah we did it we did it we enjoyed it we learned mm-hmm. we loved we laughed we lived obviously I think that we both kind of scratched the sur- surface with our ladies this week and ladies um so please go ahead and yeah look into them further yep i know that i'll be looking at Faye probably the rest of my life and just crying about how amazing she is oh 
So meet you there. Mm -hmm. Get in line. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, we would love to have loads of engagement. If you guys want to do that, we're on Instagram and Twitter. We are Some Woman Pod on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And the email is somewomanpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us about anything, if you have any suggestions for us, Mm -hmm. not about the audio, we're fine with that. We are if joking. you want to send us better audio equipment, then that's on you. <laughs> or advice. Or just advice. Yeah. <laughs> but in a nice way. Yes. Thank yes. you. Don't shout at us. That would be great. And yeah, more importantly, if you have, you know, a suggestion for a, a woman that you think is incredible, mm-hmm. um, let us know. Because we, we have a full list already. But mm-hmm. the more the merrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so anything else you'd like to say before we I actually do Julia thanks for asking okay okay go for it <laughs> um, so we as we said at the start of the show we both live in Scotland mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of if you're the kind of person who clicked on this podcast mm-hmm. then you will probably have already noticed that there is kind of a a very public debate debate in quotation marks huge quotation marks mm-hmm. about trans rights and trans and non-binary people's right to self-identify mm-hmm. that's happening in Scottish politics just now. Now is a good time, if you consider yourself a trans ally, to write to your MSP. Yeah. And if you're not in Scotland, write to your MP anyway. Mm-hmm. And just remind them that, like, this is something that matters to you and you're going to be watching them, basically. Yeah. And if it is something that is a deal-breaker for you, tell them that you want to be represented by someone who is shown to be supporting trans people's rights and non-binary people's rights. Mm-hmm. We are both cisgender women. And we're also both white. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's anything, if you guys have any you know, comments or suggestions for us, we really want to take that on board because we want this to be a very inclusive um, experience for everyone. Yeah. But we always have stuff that we can learn. But we just wanted to take the time to acknowledge that this is never going to be a podcast where, well, essentially, if you, if you don't consider yourself a trans ally or that's something that you have no interest in and you think that we shouldn't be including trans women on a podcast we talk about women, mm-hmm. this might not be the podcast for you yeah. because we're simply not going to ignore trans people. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're about. So, I, you know, mm-hmm. we're not your mothers. We can't tell you what to think. Yeah. I hope if you have some you know concerns or issues about trans people and the debate that's going on in Scottish society just now mm-hmm. I hope you listen because mm-hmm. I hope that when we have that discussion about feminism and inclusivity and what it means to be a woman that you know if you have a good time and we have different inputs from it maybe you learn something and maybe you'll feel differently about it yeah if you want to listen but if you're going to be unhappy about the fact that trans women are included in that discussion by all means catch you yeah Click away now. Click away. And yeah, kind of on the fact that we're both cisgendered and also happen to be white, yeah. um, that's the perspective that we can offer. And we're very aware that that is not inclusive from our point of view, but that's why we want to kind of cover as much ground as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're open to suggestions and feedback. And if we say something out of line, please tell us. Yeah. Because um, we want to better ourselves and... We're not going to be annoyed. No, of course not. And we want, we also want this like podcast to be like, like Julia said, we got bored. Like, yeah. we want it to be fun and want to have a laugh. And it's fun. It's not fun if we're sitting here telling you, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we know. Like, we don't no. want any of that. We want it to be very inclusive, very fun for everyone involved. Yeah. So maybe this feels a little bit preachy, yeah. but we just need to say, like, from day one, this is what it is. If you want in, 
Hop on in. Yeah. If you want out, see you later. Yeah. Gorgeous. Have at it, man. Have at it. Except don't have at us. <laughs> Unless it's in a nice way. <laughs> Unless it's in a nice way and if we deserve it. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. I said before, we are Some Woman Pod on Instagram and Twitter, somewomanpod at gmail.com. I'm Kathleen, that's Julia. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.